Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for what is traditionally the last day of February, the 28th of 2024, but February decided to give people who rent and people who pay mortgages one extra day off, a little exhale. It's all election year politics. Yeah, we'll be back for Leap Day tomorrow, but today is not Leap Day. We're being leapt on, and we'll get to all of that and more coming up. Don't forget about the contest and supporting the program, patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. And I know, sissy, you write on uh, the Locals page all the time. Locals is so user-unfriendly compared to Patreon that... I don't really do much over there, but I put everything up that I put, you know, except for pictures because it uh, it's a real pain in the ass to put up pictures. So the things that I put exclusively at Patreon, I make open to the public so you can see them all. But, yeah, I don't really enjoy the locals pay. It's just it's not friendly. It's not user friendly at all. An interface compared to Patreon. I know Patreon is evil and so on and so forth, but so is so is locals. Oh, they're no, they're not. They're not bad. All the tech industry is bad, but you got to do what you got to do. Um, which beast do you want to feed? I'd prefer to feed the Patreon beast, just because. Well, I mean, you feed them both, but Patreon is is a much better user experience and a much better interface on the back end. And they don't charge nearly as much. Yeah, the people over there will protect you. We just want a bigger, bigger beak wedding. No. So anyway, check that out. You can see Kurt Schlichter's Chicken Scratch. And I've gotten a lot of messages about Schlichter's Chicken Scratch autograph. That's it, man. That's how he signs it. Look, I don't have good penmanship. So I'm not much better. Those of you who have seen my signature. But... uh you can make out certain letters. Kurt, come on, man. You're a lawyer. Actually, you write a lo- you write like that, and then nobody knows what you're writing. And then that's that's kind of what a lawyer wants, isn't it? Anyway, let us get on with the program so we can get on with the day. Lots of stuff going on out there. Tons of things to talk about. And we're going to cover as much of it as humanly possible because that's, that's how we roll. I want to... There's... There's a follow-up to this guy who set himself on fire. It's really bizarre watching people lionize him, canonize him, try and make him into a hero. Talking about the lunatic who yesterday I played you the audio, and people were disturbed, you know, like I expected. You listen to somebody burn themselves to death. It is disturbing. It's not as disturbing as seeing it, but it's still disturbing. But it's important that you know it, so you know what you're up against. Clearly, somebody with mental problems. There is not a stable person, well-adjusted, who goes, you know, I'm gonna. What are you gonna do today? I don't know. I could go. I'm thinking about getting a haircut, but then I'm also thinking about going down to the Israeli embassy and setting myself on fire in front of it. So you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I've got to do both this week. I'm not sure which order or when. Hmm, I have a suggestion, but, you know, save you a little bit of money on the haircut. 
but whatever. And you see all these people on the left cheering. Now, I, I expect it from the anonymous accounts. I expect it from the lunatic fringe. doesn't make it right, but you, uh, you go, of course, this anonymous Antifa account is going to go, oh, rest in power. Rest in power, my brother. But you don't expect it from somebody who's running for president of the United States. Now, not Joe Biden. His handlers are smart enough to not let him do that yet. They probably haven't given him the Twitter password. So it's probably a good thing. And no reporter has bothered to ask about it. But Cornell West. Cornell West is a guest, a semi-regular guest on the Sean Hannity show, the TV show at least. And they always get this, oh, yeah, I love you, brother. Oh, I love you too, brother. You're my brother. You're my brother. You're my brother. I hope the next time Hannity has him on, he asks him about this because this is rather disturbing. If this were an actual family member, I, I would probably not invite them to the next family function. But Cornell West tweeted out a big old picture of Aaron Bushnell and says, never let us forget the extraordinary courage and commitment of brother Aaron Bushnell, who died for truth and justice. I pray for his precious loved ones. Let us, I would, I would argue that he can't have very many loved ones. If you're willing to go and set yourself on fire for a lie, you're probably not, uh, not a whole lot of love in your life, I would just guess. Just speculation here. I think maybe loneliness might be a part of his problem. And that's a lot of how these left-wing organizations manage to recruit people. You sit there and you go, who's dumb enough to fall for this stuff? Well, people who are desperately lonely. People who feel as though they are alone in the world, that nobody loves them. Those people will go, oh, we've got a sense of community over here. Oh, all right, well, I'll, I'll join you. Let me in. Little pig, little pig, let me in. And they do. They run clamoring for some sense of belonging. The left knows this, and that's why they use such terms with such regularity. Oh, we're in this together. Solidarity. Oh, my brothers and sisters, we're here. We're fighting against oppression. They give you an enemy, imagined, and a sense of belonging and a sense of family that you clearly don't have in your life either because they've rejected you, you've rejected them, or they passed on or whatever. Whatever the reason is, doesn't matter. The reality is what matters. And so the left gives you that, the surrogate family, and then you can start manipulating people pretty easily from there, especially weak-willed, weak-spirited, unquestioning followers. That seems to be what Aaron Bushnell was. Anyways, I pray for his precious loved ones. Let us rededicate ourselves to genuine solidarity with Palestinians undergoing genocidal attacks in real time. Hashtag Aaron Bushnell. Hashtag Free Palestine. Hmm. They care a lot about Palestine. They don't care so much about East Palestine, but they really absolutely would lay down their lives and become cigarette lighters for Palestine. Oh, is that mean? Because I don't care. Um, This is disturbing and disgusting. This is a man who is, uh, I don't know if he still is, but he was a 
a well-respected college professor at, I believe, Harvard, Cornell West. Jill Stein, the Green Party's PERMA presidential candidate, is the same thing. She tweeted out, thing, bro, remember, remember Aaron Bushnell, hero. Yeah, I can't help but think, and this is maybe just how my brain works, but as you watch these people cheer on this guy, this lunatic, this unstable person, they exploit his death, they exploited his life to death, and they're happy to. As you watch them do this, I think of the people who recruit suicide bombers. I can't help but think about the people who recruit suicide bombers. Because you sit there and you go, uh, hey, we really hate them uh, them Jews or them Westerners. What are them Americans? And you go, yeah, yeah, no, totally. They're bad. They're bad. And they work and they convince these people that the uh, real enemy is not the government that's literally oppressing them, but people or the government that is you know thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away from them or people who've never met them and never had any interaction with them those are the real problems and you go huh that's you get them on the hook and you go yeah that's they are they are the problem they are the problem then then you get them to think that martyrdom not real martyrdom but what's marketed as martyrdom is the key to happiness. You're miserable in your life because of these other forces. The best way to get eternal paradise, forget about right now, forget about the uh, mortality, forget about this mortal coil. The only way, the best way to get eternal, I mean, yeah, you've got 25 years of absolute hell, but eternal joy, happiness and peace and the love of god so there's no uh, you know that god's not gonna turn on you after is to blow yourself up strap some bombs to yourself go into a market full of children full of elderly full of anybody just people minding their own business people just buying food go in there and blow yourself to kingdom come whilst you know having a backpack full of bb's and nails and whatever else you can shove in there and you go, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Like, no, no, no. This is this is what God wants. This is what God. This is God's will, and it's the shortcuts. The everybody's miserable in life, but I can get you to paradise, literal, absolute paradise. All you have to do is do this, and you go, huh? Well, then, yeah, I'm game. What it never seems to occur to these people is to go, then if this is, you know, if you're so sure this is the key to paradise, when do you blow yourself up? Shouldn't shouldn't that be a question? Hey, yeah, no, this is the pathway to paradise. No, 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 God has a different plan for me. God has a different plan for you. God wants you to suffer, quote unquote, suffer in a very long life. Before you get to, whereas I at 21 can simply strap explosives to myself and shortcut everything you have to suffer. Why does God favor me more than you? I've done that. Why wouldn't he favor? Look, uh, you, you can ask God when you get there. Okay, just come on. What size vest would you say you wear? See, that should and this is of course a byproduct of an education system that is not educating people over there 
in the Middle East and a government that is more than happy to have a large swath of its citizenry wildly upset at you know Israel because why if they if they hate Jews then they're too busy hating Jews to notice that really the root of all their problems is their own government right the government's filthy rich absolutely money coming out the wazoo but you know they don't want them to notice that and so they hope they don't. And they go, yeah, no, it's the, the reason you can't eat is the Jews. Now, excuse me, my private jet is idling on the uh, the runway over there. And I've got to get going to a strip club in Geneva. So nobody knows what I'm really up to. Hmm. Kind of weird. Kind of, seems kind of weird. Seems weird to me anyway. But it's the same sort of thing with Cornell West, with uh, Jill Stein, with these radical leftists going, oh, these heroes, we must, we must thank these heroes. Let's remember these martyrs. Let us remember forever Aaron Bushnell. They'll be on to somebody else by the weekend. They will. We must remember these people. They are the best. We need to rededicate ourselves. Rededicate. So, you know, Cornell, you can... Not encouraging this, but there are a lot of gas stations around. You could, you could go and do what Aaron did if you truly believe it. If you, if this is the, uh, if this is the way, if this is in fact the only way to get justice, why wouldn't you do this if you believe it? These people don't believe it. They recognize it. They are the people who will. They start a movement, they involve movement, they inflame a movement, and then wherever that movement goes, they run out in front of it and go, I've been leading this parade all along. No, you haven't. The crazy's gotten out of control. The crazy has gotten completely out of control. And so you are scrambling to be seen as in front of it because you like the power and the prestige that comes with it. Cornell West is... Only different from the radicals who you'll find down in Washington, D.C., down anywhere, taking, you know, having these vigils and whatever and protests. The only difference is he's famous. He's famous. And as somebody who's famous, he wants to, he already immediately kind of, the fame thing is weird that you get credit for things you didn't do. Oh, Cornell West is one of the leaders. Of this movement. No, Cornell West is not. John, Cornell West is a Johnny come lately when it comes to these things. He's the ultimate follower. Jill Stein, the ultimate follower. They don't inspire people. They recognize what's going on and they run out in front of it. They're the, uh, they're the guy in Animal House when the parade is coming down there. I think it was Doug Kenny. Goes running out. He's wearing the overcoat. Goes running out, shoves the. Uh, is it the drum major, the guy who marches with the stick? I don't ever know what this guy did. But he shoves him up and grabs a stick and marches the band down the dead-end alley. That's what these people are. They run out there. There's a parade happening. I'm a part of that parade. No, I'm a leader of that parade. Pay attention to me. But when it comes to the consequences, they are a blackjack dealer at shift change in Vegas. They run around and go, I... Nope, nothing up my sleeves. I have nothing to do here. I didn't have anything. Ask them 
if they take responsibility for inspiring Aaron Bushnell's suicide, and suddenly they all become legal scholars. It's weird. They are all social justice warriors who immediately become legal scholars. I go, no, 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 Aaron, brother Aaron. Brother Aaron acted all on his own. Brother Aaron did that. I can just admire his commitment to the cause. But you, you inspired him. No, 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 nobody could say that I inspired him especially in any legal sense. So any lingering family or friends out there who might be litigious in nature certainly cannot. But, oh, we should all honor him. You could honor him by, I don't know, maybe admitting that you helped inspire him. No, I'd never say that. Never, never in a million years. I would admire him and, and encourage everybody to to can, you know, honor him, but don't. Don't accuse me of having anything to do with that. I didn't know. And any lawyers listening, recognize that I am being unambiguous and you will never prove anything as they quickly delete past tweets and things like that. Not Cornell West. But you get the idea. Success has uh, a million fathers and failure is an orphan and martyrdom is like a second cousin. Everybody's like, oh, he's such a hero. Did you inspire no 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 don't sue me don't sue me at all they're just gross they're just honestly gross people but of course as i said clearly aaron bushnell is a well he's mentally un- was mentally unstable now he's dead good for him he's now in hell he's like oh i'm gonna set myself on fire temporarily so i can be on fire permanently congratulations but it's funny, there is a faction of the left out there that is getting mad because Aaron is a white guy, right? A lot of people were writing, rest in power, including Jill Stein, the Green Party perma candidate. Rest in power, Aaron Bushnell. Rest in power. Oh, it's, it's what they say to each other like when, when somebody dies, especially for the cause or as a martyr to it. George Floyd, rest in power. Well, George Floyd didn't live in power. George Floyd was a degenerate you would have crossed the street to avoid. But, hey, you know what? He's dead now and you can use him. So now he's suddenly father of the year. I'd like to know when the last time George Floyd's daughter spent any serious time with good old dad. Because I don't... I'd like to think, anyway, that no family would ship a kid, a preteen, up to spend time with their crack-smoking dad. Right? You let them FaceTime, you let them talk on the phone, you maybe let them come and visit under very controlled circumstances, but you don't let them stay at the house. But you don't ship the kid. I don't think you do. But to hear the eulogies of, oh, he's a loving, loving father. I mean, he didn't, he loved his daughter. Not as much as he loved crack, but he loved his daughter. Well, these leftists now are going rest in power. And so there's a whole subset of uh, people of color Twitter that is getting upset about this. It's kind of funny because it's all white people going, rest in power, rest in power, rest in power. And so one user goes, please do not say rest in power. And then another one says, especially not for a white member of the United States Air Force. You'll never be woke enough. There's always division, even amongst the unified, radical, rabid leftist. There is this division because that's where liberalism, that's where progressivism, that's where Democrats thrive. If people got along, you couldn't make them hate each other. And if you can't make them hate each other, what are you going to do? You're going to try and woo them with, say, policies of, hey, you know what we should do is we should allow 13-year-olds to generally mutilate themselves. It's not really going to work. 
But uh, as of this morning, anyway, there's vigils outside the uh, Israeli embassy in D.C. These leftists are really, really going all out. This is this is the social anti-social event of the season. And boy, howdy, they're going to take full advantage of it. I can't wait for the first Democrat running for re-election to try and use this in fundraising. You think the smart money would be on, say, Rashida Tlaib to try and invoke his name? That's a little too on the nose, and I think she recognizes that it would be counterproductive as much as she's probably going to you know, get his face tattooed on his, her bicep or something like that. But I suspect it will be somebody else. I could see an Eric Swalwell being dumb enough to give it a shot. Because you really have to be an opportunist and dumb. And Eric Swalwell really captures all of it. He's the he's the chef's kiss of the bouillabaisse of stupid, narcissist, and completely unaware of the perfect amount of arrogance and ignorance, which are the two most dangerous things to combine. It's fine to be arrogant, but if you're if you're smart, you can back it up, I guess. It's unpleasant to be around, but that's fine. But if you're ignorant and you're wildly arrogant, like an AOC, she doesn't know anything, but she insists that she knows everything. She believes she knows everything, and she surrounds herself with people who tell her, oh, she's so smart. That is a dangerous, dangerous combination. So I see Swalwell possibly. Anyway, Vegas should open up betting odds on which Democrat is going to be the biggest dumbass first. They'd make a fortune. And people would win money because you know somebody's going to. By the way, this uh, suicide smoker or whatever, I don't know what you'd call somebody who sets themselves on fire, lunatic, crazy, whatever. Apparently, a uh, according to what's being circulated by the, the left is scrambling to take credit for him. That's what, the radical left. It's hard to say radical left anymore because where is the sane left? Where are the the you know the, the radical left? What the media paints as the radical right is oftentimes people who don't understand how government works. They want government power so they can abuse it in a way that they want. And like that's not conservative at all. Okay, you're just you're just a a leftist who has your own agenda. You want you want to be in charge. They're not going to welcome you, so you try and and pretend that you care about different things. You don't really. These sort of radical people who are considered radical right or alt right, they want to impose their will on other people. That's the antithesis of conservatism. They just happen to be in a disfavored group from the left, and so they're just ascribed to the right, and maybe. They're not very bright people, so they just sort of go with it. But everybody on the left is scrambling to try and take credit for Aaron Bushnell. And it's weird because there's nobody standing up to it. When you get people on the radical right or the rabid right, and they stand up and they say stupid things, they say whatever, even though they're really leftists, what happens? The right condemns them. Distance them. They're not with us. They're not, no, we don't, whatever. They're crazy. They're not a part of this movement. They're denounced. Where are the sane Democrats saying, no, this guy is not with us? And the people who embrace somebody who sets themselves on fire outside of the, no, they're not with us. It's crazy. Where are they? 
they don't exist. It's not that they're all embracing it. It's that they are so terrified of turning their radical fringe, not a fringe, but it's bigger than fringe, their radical side against them because they will. They are a, they're a tornado. They're a hurricane. They are just a destructive force. And it's all well and good as long as that destruction is directed towards conservatives. But if you're critical of them, then suddenly they go crazy at you. And like, wait a second, we're on the same team. And no, to the left, their 99% friend is their 100% enemy. So they're happy to turn on anybody. They will swing at anybody. They are the drunk being thrown out of the bar who is going to hit the bouncer, their friend, the guy sitting next to him, whatever it is. They don't care. When they get into a frenzy, they're the Tasmanian devil. So the left just kind of sits back and keeps as quiet as they possibly can. They might pay some lip service about, oh, you know, it's a tragedy when uh, somebody feels compelled to do these. Sort of, there's no addressing. Uh, that's the most mild statement. Nobody goes, this guy's crazy and uh, you should have sought mental help. And if you're thinking about doing the same thing, seek mental help. Nobody says that. It's, like, it's a shame that he felt so badly that world circumstances caused him to. No, it wasn't just a well-adjusted dude who one day goes, you know what? I'm going to go burn myself to death in front of the Israeli embassy for a lie. But the left is taking advantage of it. This one tweet, they're all claiming that he's a part of SPT. What does this stand for? Serve the people of Akron, Ohio. Aaron Bushnell was a valued member of Serve the People Akron, a queer revolutionary organization in Ohio. Here he is helping feed the community. Rest in peace. And there he is, scoop and soup. I don't know if that's feeding the community, ladling out soup. That's literally the, the least you could do. You want to make the soup. That's something you want to pony up and, and make the soup. That is something. But he's uh, tweeted here, you know, serve the people. This is from Serve the People Akron. Yesterday, Aaron Bushnell self-immolated in front of the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. in protest of the ongoing genocide of the Palestinian people. Aaron was a valued member of our organization and the community who immediately jumped in to help the unhoused and any project that came up. He was dependable and persistent with the mutual aid work he did in a city that was still new to him. He will forever be grateful for the effort he we will forever be grateful for the effort he put in to make Akron a better place. We are all still devastated to learn of his passing, but we do not want his actions to go in vain. Please continue your education advocacy and support for the Palestinian people. Rest easy, comrade. Free Palestine. Yeah, that is the Queer Revolutionary Organization Serve the People Akron. Sort of encouraging more people to go and set themselves on fire. No real lament. Oh, he's dead. Somebody else is going to have to ladle soup. How will we survive? But he did it for a greater good. And don't forget to support the Palestinian people. Can you hear the mental illness in there? I think you can. Really is amazing watching these people scramble. Rest, rest easy, comrade. 
rest easy. There's no regret. There's no lament. There's no, oh man, I'm, I haven't seen any, I haven't spent a whole lot of time looking, but I haven't seen one single message from anybody going, man, I'm going to miss that guy, which is part of the problem and why you go and do it. It's how the left gets you. Always, It's the weak ones that they're able to sort of recruit and manipulate. It's the same for a cult. It's the same for a political movement. It really is. It's the same MO. You, if you're really hellbent on manipulating people, you can do it. It's not that hard. I mean, some people you can't do it to. But if you don't really care who you do it to, if you're just going for quantity and not quality, you can absolutely manipulate a whole bunch of people. Hell, it's the model for most of what goes on in the media. It's about personalities rather than, I don't know, information now. Some leftists post, and this is how far they've gone. Because people are pointing out that, you know, setting yourself on fire, not... uh, not super good, right? <laughs> Not the smartest of plays. And so they go, it's just virtue signaling, whatever. So somebody posted a picture of Jesus on the cross and wrote, this was virtue signaling and totally performative. Clearly, he was mentally ill and shouldn't be treated like a martyr because they're trying to canonize this lunatic. And the truth, somebody responded beautifully, perfectly, just one sentence. Ma'am, he didn't nail himself to that cross. Yeah, he didn't nail himself to that cross. But they don't, the left doesn't understand that. It is all the same. It is agenda uber alles. And when I say that, I just, I don't say it in German just for the joke. I say it to illustrate the point. This is who these people are. Everything is about the agenda and nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I want to, uh, where are we going? Let's, I want to play for you a clip from CNN last night, or it was late last night, early this morning, talking about the Lakin Hope Riley murder by the illegal alien, right? Down in Athens, Georgia, where all the media is like, Athens resident. Uh, is arrested. Athens, no, it's an illegal alien from Venezuela, had no business being in the country, had multiple arrests for all sorts of crimes, and the Biden administration didn't do a damn thing to get him out of the country. Didn't do a damn thing to keep him out of the country, and once he came here, they let him run free, and once he started committing crimes, they didn't do a damn thing to get him out. In fact, the only thing that the Biden administration did was make it impossible to get this scumbag out of the country, which puts the, you know, they always say, the the gun lobby has so much blood on their hands. The gun people, Second Amendment, everybody's responsible who owns, every responsible gun owner is responsible for whatever somebody did in it with a gun. Like, how is that possible? No, 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 that's just how it is. We need to punish the gun people. We need to do this and we need to strip you of your rights, even though you haven't done anything wrong because somebody did something evil. An illegal alien does something genuinely evil and they go, well, it's one person. We can't make judgments on that. Look, that's not good carried away. But I want you to listen to this CNN report just to, because uh, we'll address what I just hinted at in a second, but listen to the way that they shift seamless. It's not just a report on the murder of Lake and Riley. 
it's the 30 seconds of that, and then it's 30 seconds about how illegal aliens in California are getting the short end of the stick because the government isn't taking care of them good enough, and the government needs more money to take care of these sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens. And oh, by the way, in the reporting... If you can call it that, they're going to try and memory hole this thing as quickly as they possibly can. See, they thought the media is wildly hypocritical. There, are, There's a hierarchy that I've created of the media's giving a damn index, right? The top of that pyramid is a celebrity. If a celebrity is involved, eh, that's it. Look out. But right below celebrity and barely below celebrity it's the pretty white girl. Oh, what? No. Just hear me out, because all they do is bitch about it. All they do, we're, if something happens to a pretty white girl, whether she's the victim of a crime or the perpetrator of a crime, pretty white girls kill people, too. The media then goes all out. Oh, the na- she killed her daughter. She killed her daughter. Oh, it was a, a sex game gone wild. She killed somebody in, in this country. They go absolutely crazy. If a pretty white girl is involved, they will dispatch. They will break glass and dispatch Greta Van Susteren to wherever in the world it has to be. She's Greta's really cheap to send. She fits in the overhead compartment. She's incredibly short. But it is that without fail. Then underneath the pretty white girl involvement, it is black victim police officer involved doesn't matter doesn't really they'll try to they'll try to twist it yeah well this black police man was murdered by police it was he was in the act of shooting at police officers and police got him oh all right i guess we can't make that one into one. next one what about this one they will find a way to try and desperately at least try to make it into something doesn't always work. It doesn't often work because police aren't what the left paint them as. Well, now we're seeing a new sort of at the rest of it, by the way, the rest of the period is everything else. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're Asian, Hispanic, white. They don't care. You don't count. It's a local crime story. Black on black crime, local crime story. Kermit Gosnell, the most prolific serial killer in all of American history, but because it was pregnant women and babies, eh, who cares? It's a local crime story. It's really just amazing the way these people operate, how they sleep at night. I don't know. But keep that in mind, the hierarchy. They really, when the Lake and Riley story first broke, they were ready. They were ready to dispatch Greta Van Susteren, or the, the, whatever the equivalent of government. They were probably making hotel reservations down in the Athens area. CNN was doubly excited because they're just in Atlanta. They're not that far from there. And then it turned out that the suspect arrested is an illegal alien. And they can't just go cold turkey because people will go, whatever happened to that thing? And they'll look into it for themselves and they'll see what happened. So they have to sort of wean off of it in fairly short order. And this report from CNN, is the weaning process. There is no mention in this 30-second report. Now, if it were, panels would be convened, shows would be created if it were something that the Democrats could use. Since it's not, 
it gets a 30-second report so they can say, all right, we checked that box. And uh, they can have reports written online where they don't mention the suspect's immigration status at all or all the interactions and opportunities the Biden administration had to throw his ass out of the country and passed on. Doesn't get a mention at all. They quickly give the facts, no mention of illegal alien, and then they go on to how illegal aliens are in desperate need of help from the government. More money, more money, more money from the government out in San Diego. It's a... Goebbels is looking up from hell going, wow, you guys really can propaganda pretty damn good. The suspect in the death of a nursing student in Athens here in Georgia has been denied bond according to jail records. Authorities say Jose Antonio Barra didn't know the victim and didn't go to the same school. The 26-year-old Ibarra was taken into custody on Friday, a day after nursing student Lincoln Riley was found dead. Riley was a junior at the Augusta College of Nursing who had gone jogging on Thursday before she disappeared. Police say it appears to have been a crime of opportunity and then examination revealed she died from blunt force trauma. A migrant welcome center in San Diego, California is closed due to a lack of funding, the nonprofit operating center says. The center assisted some 81,000 adult migrants who were processed and released by U.S. Customs and Border Protection. The county, which has allocated $6 million to open and operate the center, said it could no longer provide the resources to keep it running. San Diego County and the county supervisor released statements calling on Congress to address the crisis. You got to love their uh, commitment to the craft, don't you? Yeah, no. Yeah, they, the police say he didn't, the suspect didn't go to the same school. Yeah, because the suspect wasn't going to any school. Because the suspect is in this country illegally for not all that long and it had a whole bunch of run-ins with police. All this is kind of relevant information that CNN just kind of goes, meh, whatever, what are you going to do? No no mention of it at all. Uh, he didn't go to the same, he didn't, didn't attend the same school. He went to a different school. He went to the school of breaking into the United States illegally and then immediately setting about to uh, commit a whole bunch of felonies, knowing full well that Democrats wouldn't do a damn thing to him. It's amazing how people will act differently when they know they are 10 feet tall and bulletproof, when they know that there is zero accountability. Oh, some people, some people, they're called good people. They will look at an opportunity and go, you know what, I'm not going to take advantage of it. I'm not going to exploit this. It would be wrong legally and morally to do this, so I'm not going to do it. And then other people go, ooh, here's my chance. Here's my, we've all been tempted. We've all been tempted. I remember one time I was flat broke. And uh, it was with, I had given somebody a ride home from a bar club down in downtown Detroit. And she just happened to be an, enter, let's just say an entertainer, right? And her shift, uh, her roommates were also entertainers at the same entertainers club. And I'm sitting there on the couch in the living room and one of the entertainers who was working at the entertainment club came in and set down a giant wad of cash. One of the, like a rapper wad of cash. Talking about how it was a great Friday or Saturday night, whatever it was, and their friends missed out by not working that night. And I didn't know any of these people. These people didn't know me. And then they uh, were in the kitchen. They were, I don't they're probably 
doing God knows what. They were gone for a, a little while. Probably, I would suspect, doing drugs. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here. I just, I'm tired, and, you know, this is a weird situation now because there's, and I'm looking at this wad of money, and I go, I, there's literally nothing stopping me from just grabbing this wad of money that, like, would pay for my college. And I run off the board. This girl that I drove home isn't going to remember my name and going to remember anything about me. But I didn't do it. I was like, no. Not because I thought that these girls would catch me. I didn't think they were coming out of the bathroom for a while. So I, I would definitely have gotten away with it. I just couldn't do it because it was wrong. And then there are other people who just barge into... And I, I just left. I went and knocked on the door and said, I'm going to get out of here. And then what's weird is... I don't know if they're trusty or stupid or whatever. They didn't. They didn't come out and go. All right, well, make sure that dude didn't take the I don't know, eighteen grand or whatever sitting on the counter. Nothing to that that I saw. But um, I was able to sleep easy. I didn't have to worry about you know. God, I hope those people don't recognize me. Uh, but these illegal aliens have no such qualms. The leftists have no such qualms. It's an opportunity. Opportunity is there to be exploited. Now, look, certain opportunities you can, but there are rights and wrongs in this world, not in leftism, not in the progressive mindset. If it feels good, do it. The immediate is okay, and there's no consequences. Consequences be damned. If I was raised to be a consequence-free sort of person, I would have taken that money. I would have taken that money. I, I wasn't raised that way. And I tell you, I was damn tempted to take that money. At least some of it. Just slip a couple hundred bucks off there. Nobody would know the difference. She knew how much she was, but she would discover later after I was gone and never be able to prove that I had anything to do with it. But I didn't do it. I didn't even touch it. We're letting in a whole bunch of people who would touch it, would steal it would break into the bathroom and kill everybody in the house for it. And Democrats don't seem to give a damn about it, and CNN won't even acknowledge it. That's how screwed up things are. So since we're talking about the uh, the way that the left is portraying the murder of, of Lake and Riley, I want to play you a Katie Porter. Katie Porter is a member of Congress. She is as uh, as pretty as she is smart. You'll get that joke if you know who Katie Porter is. But she is running for United States Senate. I don't know why. I assume her district has been gerrymandered to the point that it's, you know, they, they make sacrifices. You, you can create as many Democrat districts as you possibly can. But to do that, you have to create a couple of districts where it's iffy at best that the Democrat would win. And so, like here in Maryland... Where I live, David Trone is the only reason David Trone is representing this. Thank God he's leaving and going, trying to run for the Senate. And I hope Larry Hogan beats the crap out of him. But he is, um, he doesn't even live in the district, but he's got more money than God. So you can make up for being a horrible person and not living in a district with a lot of money. You can also make up for being really horrible at his job. He never re, I think he finally reopened his offices. Uh, after COVID when absolutely forced to, but he was cl- he wouldn't show up to work for a very long time because why would he? He's, it's a vanity project for him. So he's running for the Senate for the ultimate vanity project. And uh, you look at him and you go, God, he's just a ter- terrible person. But he's in a district that is 
if there's another, there's one Republican district in the state because they couldn't eliminate that. But they gerrymandered everything. This area is red, not completely, because the local governments are being overtaken by leftists as leftists flee. They they like locust. They go, oh, we've eaten all the greenery here. We got to get the hell out of here. This is a desolate wasteland, and it's all a desolate wasteland because of you. And they go to the next area, and they go, all right, now we can eat this place into a desolate wasteland. No awareness. Locusts at least have the excuse that they're stupid bugs. Human beings who go, God, we've turned this place into a cesspool by uh, who we've elected. Let's go someplace else where people are voting differently from us. And then let's vote the way we uh, we did. And we'll just flee again. They're terrible, terrible, stupid people. But um, I mean that as a compliment. It's one of their more endearing qualities, mostly because they're wildly insufferable otherwise. But uh, Katie Porter is in, must be in one of those districts where it's iffy at best. Because there's no reason on God's green earth to think that California is itching to put Katie Porter in the United States Senate. Most people run for other offices when they can't easily win. Or, I mean, they, they can think they have a chance. Adam Schiff is in a safe district, and he thinks he has a chance. He's probably got a better than average chance of, it's his to lose, really. Wealthy white guy in California. The ethnic minorities and the women that are running, they don't count. It's kind of funny. Democrats will pay lip service to all this, and then when it comes time to vote for somebody, they go, eh, I'm going to pass on that one. I'm going to vote for the rich white guy. So um, she's running for Senate, and she's desperate. It's not going all that well. She's an unpleasant person. I believe she threw hot water at her ex-husband. You can see why. He's, it was some some sort of assault, if I'm remembering correctly. It was either involved a fork or hot water. And uh, so that didn't work out very well for Katie Porter. Bullet dodged for the ex-husband. So when she's on television yesterday talking the situation with uh, Lake and Riley came up, and Katie Porter tries to walk... Now, she has to say this. She has to say, because Democrats are so deeply invested in the identity politics game that they cannot say, we need to do something about the border. They cannot acknowledge the scale and scope of illegal alien crime. They ignore the vast majority of it. People being, you know, police being beaten. The only reason the police being beaten up in New York City, the the times that it's happened that we know of, is because it wasn't ignored. Is because we have video of it, right? That's that's why they did it. You don't, you can't, you'll never make me believe that there aren't more instances of these sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens getting into fights with police officers. It's just, you have a language barrier, you have an entitlement, and you have a whole lot of gang members and violent people as uh, these third world despots enter or empty their prisons and march them north, saying you can be free, you just can't be here. Like Venezuela. Venezuela will send every piece of garbage they've got north. And they also will not accept anybody deported from this country. They're Venezuelan citizens, and they go, we're not going to take them back. And our government, being so weak as it is, says, all right, well, then we can't ship them back to Venezuela. Realistically, we should put their asses on planes, put them on 
diplomatic flights, put them on commercial flights, whatever. Give them false manifests, fly them down there and say, you keep them. You can keep them in the airport. I don't care what you do. They're yours. They're staying. Oh, and if you have a problem with that, we're going to impose more sanctions and you'll know what to do with. And if really need be, you really want to pick a fight with us, go ahead. You could do all of that if you weren't a, a, a uh, empty, underweared coward or a progressive with a political agenda, more interested in attempting, well, I mean, I guess they're pot committed to the identity politics at this point than anything else. So Katie Porter is on television talking about the uh, Lake and Riley situation, and she wants to make sure that you recognize that this is an isolated incident. It's mostly isolated because Democrats have for all intents and purposes, especially in states like California and on the federal level, have forbidden the collection of data on illegal alien crime. So they can say it's isolated. You can't prove that it's isolated, but more importantly, you can't disprove that it's isolated, right? See how that works? And so they just... She makes an argument. You can't blame all illegals. for. don't Don't try and smear the illegal alien community. For this thing. And as you listen to this, she makes an impassioned case. It's a very short clip, 30 seconds or so. But I want to point out that she is one of the first, one of the most vocal, and a proud member of the party that does exactly, precisely to the letter to gun owners, legal, law abiding gun owners the vast majority of people who own guns. She does to them what she is expressly forbidding or lecturing others not to do in this case when it comes to sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens. The irony is palpable. Well, I think when a horrible tragedy like like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness, and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Any one instance should not shape our overall immigration policy. You know, it's terrible. But I'm going to quickly move off of this thing because I don't really give a damn if I can't dance on Lake and Riley's. Uh, grave, then I'm not interested in attending her funeral, right? Democrats have two modes. They care about death and crime victims if they can be the emotional widow or mother throwing themselves on the coffin as it is lowered into the ground, crying and screaming. They're down for, if they can use it like that, they're in. If they can't, if they just have to sit back and pretend to give a damn, they're not really good at that. They can pretend to give a damn if it's a total spectacle. They can't pretend to give a damn if it's just, you know, what's the words I'm looking for? Yeah, being a decent human being, that sort of thing. So, well, uh, it's a terrible thing, Don't want, but let's not lose sight of the bigger picture. What do you mean, let's not move sight of the bigger picture? There's a human being who's been murdered. What's bigger than that picture? Go ahead, Katie. 
I'll let you talk to Lakin's family. And you explain to them what the bigger picture is and how we'd better not lose sight of it. And you can't judge people just because somebody has, you know, committed a whole bunch of crimes before. There's no reason to think that this person should have been in custody or deported or anything like that. Innocent until proven guilty. Just because they've been arrested multiple times. Doesn't mean they're proven guilty. Just because they've been released without bail on uh, for various crimes alleged doesn't mean that they're guilty. Just because they had no business being in this country and your daughter, your sister, your friend would be alive today had we enforced our border doesn't mean you have to point that out. It is really disturbing and disgusting. This is, you know, this is what passes for political thought in California. You can begin to see why this person is not doing really well in the polls out in California. The only reason she stands a chance of at least making it to the general election is because California's primary system is so screwed up. It's so dominated by Democrats that they decided to remove the prospect of a Republican being on the ballot in a lot of ways. That tells you the party that is very much into democracy. This is what democracy looks like, these people. They created a primary system where party affiliation doesn't matter in California. It's everybody running all at once against each other, and the top two vote-getters then go to the general election. Well, in a state with a vast majority of Democrats in it, registered Democrats a lot more than registered Republicans, which one do you think is going to be, what do you think the top two are going to be more often than not? The top two are going to be two Democrats. That eliminates the possibility of a Republican even having a chance. Decidedly not what democracy looks like. The only Republican with even a possibility of a chance is former baseball player Steve Garvey out there. There's a possibility he'll come in second, but if there's a possibility, the only reason he would come in second is because the Democratic vote will be split three ways between the three Democrats who stand a chance. Uh, I can't remember. Barbara Lee, who called for a $50 minimum wage. Katie Porter, who doesn't seem to give a damn about murder Americans. And Adam Schiff, who made himself into a celebrity by lying to the country during the Trump administration, which is the fast track to getting media stardom and being the leading contender for the Senate in the state of California. They will separate and split up the Democratic vote so much so Adam Schiff will still come in first, but the other two, along with what Schiff gets, could split up the remaining Democratic vote that Garvey makes it through to the general. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Garvey and the general, but that would be it. And so you can see why Katie Porter is a little bit desperate to not talk about murdered Americans. I doubt she's ever spoken about Kate Steinle, which she can say, well, this happened in Georgia. Kate Steinle happened in California. It's the concept they don't give a damn about. Not just the concept of human life, but the concept of caring for Americans. They don't care. And you sit there and you go, well, is this just an American issue? Is this where it is, where they look at human life as disposed. Is this just the left in America? No, it decidedly is not. 
So let's go over to the UK here. This is a, uh, I saw this clip because J.K. Rowling, of all people, the author of the Harry Potter books, tweeted it out. She is what is labeled as a uh, TERF, a trans-exclusive radical feminist. She's very, she's upset the left. You've got to be fully on board or you're their enemy. It's amazing. You wouldn't have a term like TERF in a stable group of people. You just wouldn't have it. It just wouldn't be. You go, hey, uh, this somebody's with you 99% of the time on feminist issues. What do they disagree on? Uh, men. What? Yeah, no, men. They don't like men being pretending they're women. Oh, well, forget it. Throw them all out. And they've tried. It's funny watching these leftists. They go, oh, the right is trying to ban book. Yeah, the right is trying to ban how-to manuals for um, child molestation. Let's just tell it what it is. That They're not banning them. They're removing them from public school libraries, right? You can still go down to your local library. You can still go down to your bookstore. It's one of the greatest things, and it shows you just how stupid some people are in this country, where they go, oh, they're banning books. They're banning books. They're banning books. You go into any bookstore. It doesn't matter if it's a local lefty bookstore or a national lefty bookstore chain. You go in there and they go, and you'll find an, a, a display somewhere in there that goes, these are the banned books. This is our banned book section. And you go, now, wait a second. I have a question. If these books are banned, why are they right there? If the government is banning these books, how come I could pick one up and, and pay cover minus 10% for it? Right? Why is that possible? But they don't want you thinking like that. Because if you start thinking, if you start thinking, you might go, what is, if you, if you pick up a, a copy of Gender Queer, just leaf through it, a bookstore and a library, you'll eventually get to the point, because every time a politician tries to read gender, whenever they're talking about these, these debates and what books belong in school libraries, there's always a politician who starts reading from gender queer, and what happens is the gavel comes down. Here, let me try. That. They go order, order. The, the house will come to order. We do not have. We'll not have that language. There could be children. Wa- First of all, there's no children watching state legislators. All right, no child goes. I can't wait to get home so I can flip on C-SPAN three and see what they're doing in in Fairbanks, Alaska. Nobody does that. Nobody's watching this crap. No kids are, but they all wrap themselves in children to try and cover up what their side is trying to do to children, right? In the name of children. We must protect children from them. And the irony, of course, is if you need to protect children from the audio version of this book, then maybe this book doesn't belong in the elementary school library, right? If you're worried about the one kid whose TV remote batteries have died and it's stuck on C-SPAN and they go, well, I guess this is technically better than nothing. You're worried about protecting that kid, then why aren't you worried about protecting all the kids from hearing what's in those books, from reading what's in those books, from seeing the graphic depictions in, in cartoon form of these sexual acts in these books? We're mo- it's the more that the left defends this, these books, I believe these books most of the time are, are, there's a niche market out there. They maybe started being published in them. 
And they go, well, this will appeal to this group of perverts or whatever. But now I think that these books are coming out at such a rate that they are hoping to be the cause of controversy. They're hoping to be the cause of controversy because it means sales. It means that, you know, Nicole Wallace will do an entire segment on your book. That You can get a blurb from Rachel Maddow about how the book that you're doing on polyamory and pansexualism is so important that every parent needs to read this to their child while still in the womb. There's money in it. Gender queer, I would posit, has sold more copies to libraries than it has to actual live human beings because who wants that crap in their house, right? Who wants their kids finding this crap? You know what, five-year-old just learning to read, here's the thing on... Hmm. I would suggest you're not the best parent in the world. But look at it. And I think these books are being written for that express purpose now. And we are inching towards a place where it's gone. It's cartoons. Now it was descriptive. Now it's cartoons. It's drawings. They're called graphic novels. We're not that far away from it being considered art and the left trying to defend it on First Amendment grounds where they'll start using actual photographs. Not of children per se, but there'll be you know eighteen year olds and what graphic uh, uh, cross between drawings on photographs. They'll get there because the point now. There's no educational value to any of this crap. There just isn't. Oh, children need to know that they're not alone. There isn't a single first grader in the world who's having these thoughts to wonder if there are other people having these thoughts. The human body isn't developed to that point. They don't have any clue. But the left is trying to sexualize them. And that's part of it. It's about shocking. It is about upsetting adults. It is about disgusting adults. And so they have to keep going up. They have to keep ratcheting it up. And I'm telling you, they will get to that point where they go, no, this is, the book might depict something, but it is different because there are adults in the photographs. And it needs to be in the school library because children need to know that this is real. And there are parents out there who do this. And what are you going to do? Are you trying to alienate these parents and whatever? You think this is absurd? Mark my words. Mark my words. Someday it'll come to this. So, yeah, I would recommend you go to a library and you leaf through this crap. Just look at it. And then if you take it and put it in a different section, don't steal it. Don't don't burn it. Don't destroy it. If somebody really wants to do this to their kid, good. Let them. And then you know who to avoid. If you ever see a copy of any of these books, you go, all right, well, Junior's never going over there again. Ever under any circumstances. Oh, but we're just tolerant. No, you're not. You're insane. You're doing damage. And uh, I can't stop you from damaging your kid's psyche. But I can sure as hell make sure you don't get any access to my kids. All right? You can call your kid any pronoun you want in the world. And pretend and lie to yourself that it's what Junior wants. But um, I'm not going to be a party to it. And Junior is going to end up hating you because uh, nobody's going to want to be your kid's friend. Not because of your kid, but because of you. Really, a little bit of shaming goes a long way. Anyway, back to the point at hand. This is a BBC report. J.K. Rowling tweeted this out. It says, I'm so sick of this S. This is not a woman. 
These are not our crimes. It's a BBC report on a trans woman, a dude, who is a disgusting human being, sociopath, obviously mental problems. I spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the mental problems. It's weird how it all, everything is evidence of it. But nobody on the left will let you draw the conclusion. This person filmed himself murdering a cat in a blender. You know, that's that's pretty sick. That's that is evil. And I'd be in favor of putting this person in a blender or more accurately, one of those industrial um, crushers, those things that grind up thing, grind up a car. They're amazing to watch. I'd be in favor of putting this dude into it. But this person also committed murder. This person now goes by the name Scarlett Blake and listen to the BBC. This is the official British government media outlet. You would not know that this is a man. They go to great lengths and great pains to, I mean, the picture, if you saw the video, you'd go, dude, that's a dude. But they go to great lengths so as to not offend the murdering sociopath. Yeah, great lengths so as to not offend the murdering sociopath. This is This sums up the left perfectly. A uh, woman has been found guilty of murdering uh, an individual in Oxford months after she filmed herself um, killing a a cat. Scarlett Blake has been sentenced to life. Uh, The minimum term is yet to be uh, revealed in court, but she has been sentenced to life in prison with a minimum term of 20 for years. Some of the features that have resulted in that term are significant degree of premeditation, the judge said, substantial planning, and uh, it was shown that you were looking for someone vulnerable, the court said. Uh, in the mitigation at the sentencing, it, the judge had said that she was 23 at the time of the offence, but Scarlett Blake uh, jailed for life with a minimum term of 24 years. We'll get more detail on that uh, very shortly. Don't you love that? Oh no, she's did this this woman she 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 real women are pissed off. Real women are pissed like what are you doing? What it's this not a woman. And oh by the way, this is a consequence of embracing mental illness rather than addressing it, rather than, you know, trying to to fix it, trying to help people. No, 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 we'll just indulge them. We'll just indulge them. Why? What is the benefit of indulging? Well, we get to virtue signal. We get to feel better about it. We get to do this. No, you're you're doing real harm. People get hurt. The person you claim, you profess, you insist, and the more you insist that you care about somebody, uh, the more I doubt you actually do. But you know, we care about the psyche of these people. Okay, well, where were you on the psyche front when it came to this person... putting a cat in a blender where were you on the psyche of these people when it came to this person murdering somebody where were you because guess what happens when you don't treat but indulge mental illness it grows it grows just like you have you know disease you can't ignore a cure a way to a cure you can't ignore it you have to treat it. You have to deal with it. You take the medicine, whatever it is. Something as simple as, say, you you, you tore your Achilles. You're not going to be able to just ignore you. Well, I'll hobble through it, and eventually it'll grow back. No, it doesn't work that way. 
It doesn't work that way. It never will work that way. It never has worked that way. You ignore things and it gets worse. Oh, I've got a cut on my uh, my my ankle. And it just keeps bleeding and it's infected and whatever. But you know what? I can power through it. I'll take a couple Tylenol. That'll numb the... It'll be fine. There's a little patch of green down there. A little bit... That'll be fine. We'll just... You know what? I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to work through the pain. It can maybe help with a hamstring. A little bit of a slight tweak to the glutes. I'm going to power through it. Maybe. Probably not, but it could. But with something serious, you can't. And mental illness is serious. But you can see now it all begins to come clear, doesn't it? Whenever there is a horrible, tragic mass shooting, the left doesn't want to talk about mental illness. The left doesn't want to talk about mental illness at all. Except for, I guess, to the extent that they go, well, anybody who's ever had a sad thought and expressed it to another human being, you can put a red flag on them and then they can't buy a gun. Okay, but that's, that again is more of a, forgive the analogy, a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. It's not really addressing the underlying issue there, but... Um, It makes me think that you're not all that sincere when it comes to wanting to address the problem. If your first thought is, let us silence people who disagree with us, not what democracy looks like, and then rather than treat the person in desperate need, you have to treat, essentially, because that's what they're doing. That's what they're calling. If they're forcing you to participate in somebody else's delusion, they're not treating that person for their delusion. They're treating you for that person's delusion by forcing you to participate in it. Do you imagine? No other situation, no other circumstance would anybody go, you know what? Yeah, your your husband needs to stop smoking two packs a day. So what you're going to have to do, what do I mean? Don't stop him from smoking. What you're going to have to do is start smoking. What? No, 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 you start smoking. What does that have to do with it? I don't know. Just you, You're also going to need to diet and exercise. How does that help him? Don't worry about helping. This is Just trust me. This is how it's going to be. You're going to have to indulge his... He smokes, and you make him go outside the house to smoke. You need to smoke with him so he can both smoke inside the house, stink up the house, and then you uh, your problem will be addressed. How? Don't question me, boy. Do what you're told. It doesn't make a damn bit of sense. But they can't talk about mental illness when it comes to murder, to mass shootings, because oftentimes the people who are perpetrating those mass shootings, those murders, are on their team. Once you start opening up to the prospect of the reality that... A lot of wildly unstable progressives out there are doing harm to other people. Then you begin to examine the harm they're doing to themselves. And maybe you go, I don't want to be associated with this. And you start to maybe vote a little differently. They can't have that discussion. So instead, what do they do? They blame the inanimate object. It's the inanimate object's fault. Right here. This gun is forcing me to act. It's forcing people to do that. We must take it. Never mind the fact that the vast majority of murders in this country that are committed with weapons, with guns, 
are committed with illegal handguns, illegally obtained handguns, and are drug-related, drug and gang-related. They ignore all of that, and they go for the unicorn crimes. And they insist that those can somehow be addressed without actually addressing the problem, the mental instability that they embrace. Because if you start addressing that, then you go, wait a second, that man is a man. This man, Scarlett Blake, is going to spend at a minimum the next 24 years in a woman's prison, right? In a woman's prison. I don't know if you're a man and you've got to go to prison. Of course, the first choice is you don't want to go to prison. But the second choice is you want to go to a women's prison. Not that you still couldn't get your ass kicked. Not that there still are going to be problems. And prison, even a velvet cage, is a prison. But if you're looking to mitigate the circumstances as best you possibly can as a man, a women's prison is the way to go. Curiously, however, for all the push by these people insisting that trans women be put, be housed in women's prison. There's no correlating alternative saying that trans men should be housed in male prisons. Have you noticed that? It's weird. Uh, I've been curious to see if there were, how a trans man would, they commit crimes, they just don't get the coverage. But they commit crimes. I'd be curious to see what the percentages of trans men who commit crimes, who are sentenced to prison, particularly serious crimes where they're going to be sentenced to maximum security prisons. What percentage of them drop the trans stuff at trial, right? What what percentage of, oh, no, I was uh, not, tra- not no, I'm trans, I'm uh, I'm gender fluid. Meaning under any circumstances, I could change what I am right now. You can use she, uh, she, her pronouns all you want right now, Your Honor. Because right now I feel like a woman, and I think this is going to stick for a while. So if I got to go to prison, do not send me to men's prison. Send me to women's prison. Just like every leftist who insists that trans women are women becomes a, an expert and DNA and a gynecologist when it comes to their personal dating lives, I suspect that every trans man out there suddenly has an epiphany that changes their pronoun usage and demands the second they are facing any sort of jail time. It'd be interesting to study. The left will never allow it. But boy, I'd love to read it. All right, I want to Shift. We've we've covered crazy. Lord knows we've covered crazy. I want to shift now to delusional. There's a difference. Delu- well, liar fraud. I guess there's many options. I don't know what happened to Michael Steele. Michael Steele. I used to like Michael Steele. Uh, I used to get along with Michael Steele. Michael Steele now is uh, in a position where he's discovered that you can get a lot of money by denouncing that which you formerly claimed to hold dear. Now, I don't I don't know if Do, if Michael Steele is a liar now or was a liar then. I don't know which it is. There's a high probability that there was he is a liar both times. 
you know, in my opinion, that's the way I view it. Um, I don't buy, and I never will, the wholesale flip-flopping on every issue, right? If you, this bothers me because it's just a bunch of fraud. You have these people like David Brock, like Arianna Huffington. They used to be stalwarts. When I was in college, they were stalwarts of the conservative movement. David Brock was a conservative investigative journalist. He was getting to the bottom of the And Arianna Huffington was a conservative colonist and commentator. And boy, how she was all over everything, talking to anybody. She was conservative on every issue down the line. And then one day, David Brock discovered or whatever, he just flipped, he switched. Somebody who had spent a career, made a fortune attacking Hillary Clinton, then said, oh, no, 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 we're not. uh, Hillary Clinton, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Hillary Clinton is right, and the right wing put me up to it. Yeah, that's. That's weird. Actually, his his one famous book about Hillary, the truth about Hillary Clinton or whatever the hell it was called, was just given to him. Like all the research I was told was just given to him by a congressional committee that had compiled all of it and couldn't do anything with it. So they just gave it to David Brock and he put it in book form. He didn't actually do the legwork, they say. Whatever the case, he was the face. He hammered the checks. He collected the money. He had no problem whatsoever. It was weird. It kept me up at night. No, it didn't keep you up at night. You slept like a baby on a pile of money. Congratulations to you. And then he changed on everything. You wouldn't find, you couldn't have found an issue in the, the mid to late 90s that David Brock wasn't an outspoken conservative on. Then you couldn't find one he was. Everything. Now, I get that over time you're going to change on some issues new facts will come to light whatever it is you're just gonna you know circumstances your life experience will change and you go i never thought of it in that way and now i uh, i am different I, i i now believe this that happens it's going to happen it should happen you should not be so obstinate so set in stone that you're not open to the possibility that you at least the possibility that you are wrong on certain things it just shouldn't but when it comes to everything all at once, that's where you lose me. That's where I think it's money. That's where I go, somebody's hammering a check. This is about more than than just principle. And with both of them, it changed dramatically, seemingly overnight. With Michael Steele, it was a little bit more gradual. And it is now complete. It's on everything. I don't know. Can you find an issue where Michael Steele is conservative on anything? He was damaged goods and losing his grip on reality a little bit when it came to the Republican Party when he lost his bid for re-election to the chairmanship, all because, you know, on his tenure, they spent a whole lot of money at a strip club. At strip clubs. They had a good time. Can't say they didn't have fun. Yeah. And he got mad about that. And so he started abandoning the party, complaining about the party, complaining about his successor, etc., etc. MSNBC said, this is great. We love it. We're going further to the left. Let's go crazy. Let's get nuts. They started quoting Prince. And then everything changed. Contracts aren't in perpetuity. 
even cable news contracts. They need to be renewed every few years. And as such, you recognize that if you give your cable news employer a reason to not renew your contract, they might not renew your contract. And so you don't want to give them a reason to not renew your contract. And if they've gone further to the left than anybody, you go further to the left than anybody. And you end up with a situation where suddenly everything has changed. Everything is different. And now Michael Steele does not seem to stand for anything except for what the Democratic Party does. I don't understand the appeal of any of the cable networks, honestly. You're either... It's it's all one team. It's people not even arguing. It's not even a debate. It's a discussion. That's why they don't even say there's a debate. It's uh, for reaction we turn to. The sports blogger and uh, this 25-year-old girl who has a podcast. You're like, huh? What, what knowledge are they bringing to... No knowledge. But boy, they look good on TV. And you sit there and you listen and you go, these people are genuinely stupid. And they go, yeah, but, you know, they're popular. Okay, congratulations, I guess. Michael Steele operates in that arena. And Michael Steele likes to get paid a lot of money to operate in that arena. And so he is the token Republican. Trotted out when they need to say we are bipartisan over at MSNBC. They're as diverse when it comes to opinion as the bar in the Blues Brothers. What kind of music do you have here? We have both kinds, country and western. What kind of opinions do you have here on MSNBC? We have both kinds, progressive and progressive. Hmm. Michael Steele was talking about Donald Trump because one thing that has the Democrats terrified is the prospect of Republicans making breakthroughs with black voters. With black voters. They're terrified of it. Now, it's funny because the Democrats have done nothing but take black voters for granted for my entire life. They simply don't care. They watch decay. They embrace decay and destruction of the cities. The black family has been destroyed by liberal policy. They don't care. They just go, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, vote for a Republican? Don't worry, we will protect you from those Republicans. Who's going to protect them from the Democrats? Because it's not Republicans that are hurting them. It's not Republicans that are killing black people. Do Do you care at all? Shush. You shush your mouth. Well, Donald Trump came out and decided and, and unabashedly spoke the truth. He just spoke the truth. And the left can't handle it. When he said to the Detroit Economic Club in 2016, what the hell do you have to lose? It didn't make a big bump in the black vote, but it planted a seed. And the left has been trying to argue against that since then. Juan Williams wrote a book about it. I think it was called What the Hell Do You Have to Lose? They they set out all the Praetorian guards out there to make sure that nobody looks into what Democrats have actually done to to the black community. Don't talk about it. Don't think about it. Shut your mouth. Just come on. Be be cool, man. Be cool. Stay in line. Learn your place. It's okay. The weather's fine. It'll be good. Well, Four years of Joe Biden has caused a whole lot of harm to the black community. 
and a lot of members of the black community are, they were tempted before. Now they're flirting with the idea of voting for a Republican. They're telling pollsters they're not excited about voting for Joe Biden. They could be persuaded to vote for Donald Trump. And this is enough. They don't try to sell Joe Biden. The argument would be, you don't know how good you've got it, which is not a very successful argument to make. They're trying to turn them off to the prospect of Republicans so everything is racist. But the boy who cried wolf, chicken little, screaming, running around... It's wearing thin. It no longer has the impact it once did. So now Michael Steele comes out. In case of emergency, break glass. Let's get, it can't be Joe and Mika and Willie Geist and Mike Barnacle and Caddy Kay and you name the white person on Morning Joe. It can't be them sitting there going, uh, yeah, listen, black people, don't vote for Republicans. They're terrible. It can't be that. It's not working. It's not working anymore. So they go, all right, we need a black guy. Get me Michael Steele. And in rides Michael Steele, all too happy to hammer those checks. And so yesterday he comes in and he goes off on this little diatribe about how Donald Trump is a problem. Donald Trump is a racist. Black people don't fall for Donald Trump. Get back in your cages. Get back to where you belong, where we, the intelligentsia, it has really nothing to do with race. Race is a weapon. It is a means to an end. It is not what they, I don't think they believe in anything, to be honest with you. They just use it as a weapon. And it's worked in the past. It doesn't seem to be working now, so they've got Michael Steele doing it. Listen to this absurdity from the former chairman of the Republican National Committee. With Trump... There is nothing there substantively because of his own history uh, that would tell me that I would have something to gain with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's been proven time and time again. Um, as you listen to, you know, him talk to black people um, as if uh, they're not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, you know, when I hear him say the black people, it reminds me of some yes. 1950s redneck exactly. um, mm-hmm. who's who's referring to them other, even though they're in the room. Yeah. Uh, when you say that, you know, these lights are so bright that I can only see the black people. Oh my. Right. And it's the black population. It's the black population. So there's the black you know, population. And I don't want to make too much of it because, you know, uh, it is what it is. It's Donald Trump. But I think it also says a lot about um, the, the narrative that he puts out there, um, that he thinks so little of the black community that he can get our vote with, you know, giving us greater access to menthol cigarettes mm. and a nice pair of gold lame sneakers. Um, and I'm so happy you wear my mugshot on your T-shirt because you can identify with me because most of you are in the criminal justice system. Oh my God. And that's basically his narrative to the mm-hmm. community. Nothing about uh, health care disparities in black neighborhoods. Uh, nothing about uh, the educational disparities in black neighborhoods. Maternal mortality. Nothing about the mortality rate among black uh, women, black women yeah, and babies. Mm-hmm. Nothing about uh, fair housing. Nothing about redlining that goes on in black communities. Mm-hmm. 
So they come up with some two-bit, oh, here's another little economic development plan we want to put out that most white people benefit from Yeah. because there's no resources that are put into black entrepreneurism, seriously put into black entrepreneurism uh, through the black uh, economic uh, engines that exist with those who are creating jobs or trying yeah. to create jobs. So, you know, Joe, I just think yeah. the whole thing for me um, is just more of the pandering BS that this iteration of the Republican Party think they can get away with right. and that that's enough to go in front of black people, refer to them as the black people um, yeah. and, and say, hey, you know, you got your sneakers and your menthols. <laughs> My favorite part is is Mika having the amens. Amen. Oh, oh no. Michael Steele's building up straw men and making arguments that were not made. And Meek is going, oh, yeah, no. Oh, you're so right. Oh, yeah. This is not a news organization. This is, this is Goebbels' wet dream. And they're sitting there, and Michael Steele, unironically and seemingly unaware, nobody in this whole panel is aware, he doesn't talk about disparities in this he doesn't talk about this he doesn't talk about that he doesn't talk about the other thing these issues for the black community hey mike quick question for you should be pretty easy which party has commanded 90 to 95 percent of the black vote for about three or four generations and had exclusive domain of the political power over the concentrated cities where where black people live you know, where the black population is concentrated the highest. Which party? It ain't the Republican Party. So therefore, if all of those things you are <clears throat> complaining about, Republicans not talking about, which they are, by the way, you just choose to have your fingers in your ears and your head up your rear end. But um, if all of those places are experiencing all of these things, these bad, bad things, um, who 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 designed those things? But it, it, honestly, if you go back 60, 70 years of absolute political control of Democrats, it's not even close. It's not like, well, the uh, mayoralty of Detroit has slipped back and forth a few times. Baltimore, the city council, has been about 50-50. Sometimes it's a Republican uh, city council and a Democratic mayor so they got to work together and they together hand in hand no it's none of that there is no commingling of power it is straight up democrat rule democrats could do any damn thing they wanted and they created yes created the systems you're sitting there whining about on this panel of white liberals they created it not only they created, they administered it throughout the entirety of its existence. No point whatsoever did a Republican come into power. So there was no way for them to change it at all. So Democrats created it. Democrats administered it. They watched it completely decay into chaos. Did nothing about it. In fact, every time they did more, they ended up making things worse. Now, you can argue all day long whether they made things worse by design or sheer incompetence. It, it, if you're on the end result of it, it doesn't really matter. What's the motive of the person punching you in the face at the moment you're being punched in the face? Does it really matter? Does it feel better if you go, you know what, I 
I totally get why they're punching me in the face. Does it feel worse? What it it doesn't matter in the moment if your life is consumed by failure and economic desperation and decay, do you really care the history of how it got there? No, but you should be aware of it when it comes to voting that the people who are promising you to protect you from the failures are the people, or at least the same political philosophy and absolutely the same party, who created those failures, who created those programs, who administered those programs, who at any point over the last 60, 70 years could have changed those programs to try at least to get a different outcome. They didn't. They don't. They don't care. But Michael Steele will sit there and go, they're not talking about this. They're not talking about that. They are talking about this. You know who's who does nothing but talk about it? Democrats. Democrats have done nothing but talk about those things right after they created them. They also administer those things. And those things have been doing harm to the black community. If you claim to care at all, Michael, you should care about that. But you don't. That doesn't seem to bother you. Nobody sitting there on this panel said, yeah, you know, but Philadelphia is a bit of a hole right now, and it's been that way for a while, and Democrats have been in charge of that since the earth cooled. huh? New York City, the one city that they pointed, well, things are better in New York City. Yeah, no, things haven't gotten quite as bad again in New York City, but things were bad. What separates New York from St. Louis, from... Chicago? Well, for eight years, they decided to do something radical. The Democratic mayor was so bad, they elected a Republican. They said, somebody's going to come in and enforce the laws. And they elected a Republican. And that Republican came in and changed things, did things, enforced the law, made quality of life better. So much so that rather than just being sort of a a protest kind of vote, like Bob Ehrlich here, the governor, the one-term governor here in in Maryland was. Paris Glendening was just terrible, right? And he had eight years of him, and like the last thing we need is Kathleen Kennedy Townsend coming in and continuing what sucks. So we're going to go with the Republican. He did as good a job as he could. He had a state legislature that wasn't willing to work with him, but in in New York, Rudy had the authority of the mayor of New York. He was able to power through a lot of things and make a big difference, so much so to the point that four years later, rather than revert back to Democrats the way they did here in Maryland, New York City said, we're going to give this guy another term. The only reason he didn't get a third term is because it was term limited out. Where Republicanism, where genuine conservatism, not in varying degrees of it, but any degree of conservatism has been tried. It has worked. It has improved the lives of people who, prior to that, were suffering under liberalism. And Democrats, Michael Steele included, are horrified at the possibility that that could happen again, this time on the national level. Horrified. Because if they lose 10% of the black vote, it's over. Well, the white Chardonnay sipping wealthy suburbanite women who uh, live a life of luxury and guilt, they can make up a lot, but I don't think they'll make up that much.
Democrats recognize they need to keep people corralled in their velvet prisons, which the velvet's already coming off. So good job, Mike. You're going to talk about what's good for the black community. Why don't you actually talk about what's good for the black community? Do you even know anymore? Or do MSNBC producers keep that information from you? Okay, before we run out of time, I've got a couple of clips of Joe Biden I want to play for you. Why? Because uh, I don't know why. We need to know what the president is up to. So we might have a chance to undo the damage he hath wrought. The first one is him talking about a ceasefire in the Middle East. Now, he went out with, um, I think it was Emmanuel Macron, to get some ice cream. Why? Why? I don't know why. Keep him. They have ice cream at the White House. Keep him out of sight. The optics of the president of the United States going around eating an ice cream. First of all, an old man eating an ice cream cone. It's just weird. An old guy in a suit. Like It's one thing if he's on vacation, I suppose. He's out in Rehoboth and he's dressed casually and eating it. But a guy with another world leader in business suits eating ice cream is just, it's not a good look. Plus, even when you're completely senile, you're aware of what dripping does. And so you, you get this weird hunch lean as you try to avoid getting your ice cream dripping on your, your nice suit. It's just stupid. It's a dumb look. Get him ice cream in a bowl at the White House and you don't have this optics. Plus, there are Americans out there who are suffering, right? There's crime going on. The, the situation with Lake and Riley's going on. Of course, he doesn't have to worry about being asked about that, but still. It's bad optics, but still they put him out there, and he decides to, he answers a question about the possible ceasefire in the Middle East, by, and he says, yeah, by the end, of, he's hoping to have one by the end of the weekend. Can you give us a sense of when you think that ceasefire will start, sir? Well, I hope by the, the beginning of the weekend, I mean the end of the weekend. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. It's not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday, we'll have a ceasefire. Okay, thank you. Um, no, none of the parties involved, meaning Israel or the terrorists, are saying this is true. They're, in fact, saying this isn't true. He seems, to, I don't know, either he's been wildly misinformed or he's hoping to will it into being by putting something he believes would be public pressure on the parties involved to agree to it because, well, now he's thrown the gauntlet by the weekend. Now, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but this guy is not going to inspire action on the world stage because why would it? Why would he? What does he bring to the table? What is, he brings nothing to the table. He's not a lead-by-example guy. He's not an inspirational leader. He's a, oh, yeah, I guess we've got to call this guy, too. He's the notary public of world politics. You forget all about him, and then at the end you go, oh, yeah, forgot. Everybody else did all the legwork. we got to get this person to come in, pay him 50 bucks to watch our signatures. Otherwise, it won't be official. Anyway, the... Uh, president then went on to talk about how he's going to the border. He'll be at the border uh, tomorrow, on Thursday. And Donald Trump is going to the border, too. And, well, this was, this was his answer to this question. 
I've been planning to go Thursday. What I didn't know is uh, my good friend apparently is gone. And will you meet your migrants while you're there, Mr. President? Well, I'm not going to announce ahead of time. Secret Service doesn't like me announcing exactly what So much of Joe Biden's presidency is a guy acting as though he has no ability or no control over what he does or says. Ma, if I answer too many questions, they'll get mad at me. Who? They they will. Uh, what are you, are you going to meet with migrants? Oh, I say uh, the Secret Service doesn't want me talking about what I'm going to do. Just, he doesn't know. All right? That's the real answer. He has no idea. He's going to the border because it's an election year. And the border's an issue. So he's got to go down there and pretend to care. Were you going to meet with the, the migrants down there? Uh, I don't have any idea. It's whatever optics they can come up with. If they're able to find a, enough illegal aliens that they can get me in a room with them and they won't say things like, we're only here because of you and thank God we support you over the other guy. If they don't embarrass me and damage my chances at re-election, then I might meet with them. We might meet with them and film it ourselves and just give you the B-roll without any audio because we might not be able to find anybody who isn't here because of me or whatever. And that's really what the issue is. If he doesn't publicly meet with these illegal aliens, it's because his handlers, the advance team, scrounging through all of them, trying desperately to find somebody who will not tell the press they're here because Joe Biden changed the laws and made them allowed to get in, then maybe they'll let them in. But otherwise, they're not They're not going to let the press see it. They'll release still photos or something. It's a scam. What a scam. Anyway, that is enough for today. Don't forget patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com to enter to win Kurt Schlichter's Chicken Scratch. Autographed copy of what the hell is the rest of this title of this book called? It is uh, We'll Be Back The Fall and Rise of America. So there you go. Check that out. Win it, damn it. And we'll be back to do it all again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.